Welcome to the I Work For Him podcast. I'm Michael Miracle, producer of the I Work For Him radio program, the voice of the faith and work movement. Our mission is to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. What does that look like in your workplace? Let's find out right now. Welcome to I Work For Him this afternoon. We are the voice of the faith and work movement. And we're so grateful that you've tuned in this afternoon. We are on the air to help us all understand that our workplace it's our mission field. And in that mission field, you and me, we may be the only Jesus our coworkers, our employees may ever meet. We are your hosts. Privileged to do so each and every day, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. That's right, Jim. And, you know, I'm really excited um, about today's show because I know that God has prepared the hearts of the listeners um, that might be tuning in today to hear what he has to say from um, his heart to theirs. And listeners, I want you to know that um, starting Labor Day, we have a new um, podcast option for you. And you can go and subscribe now. Go to your favorite podcast platform and look for the I Work For Him Power Pod. The Power Pod is the um, fastest 15 minutes of the um, impactful parts of our full-length show. So this is an opportunity for you to get a podcast that you can hear in um, just a quarter of an hour. And, um, you know, for most people, Jim, that's how long it takes. Well, for you, you, get, you can get ready in less than 15 minutes, right? When we're in a hurry. To I got ready this morning in eight minutes. I know. It's pretty and quick. And I shaved. You would have only gotten half of a Power Pod in. That's right. Can you imagine? That's- so anyway, I just want people to know that this is coming you can go to your podcast platform and look for i work for him power pods between 65 and 70 million babies have been aborted in the united states since 1973 last year abortion was a leading cause of death in the world with over 65 million children aborted worldwide just last year the aborting of one's child once described as fetal matter has lasting impacts in those left behind after the death of their child as we walk into our workplaces today look left look right You see people, but do you really see them? How many of them are carrying the burden of being convinced to abort their own child? Now, do not be mistaken. This is a sin that Christ offers forgiveness for. Freedom and healing can be experienced by those. Freedom and healing can be experienced by those who aborted their children. But our coworkers and friends at work need to know that this freedom even exists. That's where you and I come in. We know the one who can bring healing. Today, we talk about abortion and how we can have a conversation in the workplace in order to uncover those reeling from the pain of abortion. We have to stop the lies. Women who have had abortions are not free and they're hurting, but Jesus can set them free and free them from their hurt. We've got two guests joining us today, a husband and wife couple that have quite a story to share. We've got Jack and Sheila Harper. They're sharing with us today and joining us from the ministry of called SaveOne.org, SaveOne.org, just SaveOne.org. Jack and Sheila, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you. We're so honored to be here. Thank you so much. Yep. So, Jack, I'm going to let ladies go first today, but we always ask our guests to share their Jesus story. And, Sheila, why don't you start off with your Jesus story, starting with your childhood story. Talk about it. Oh, my childhood story. It was a tragic one, but looking back on it, I can see God's hand in every single bit of it. When I was four years old, I was in a horrible car accident. My mother was killed instantly. I was thrown through the windshield. I survived that car accident. I had multiple stitches, and I mean, you can just imagine at four years old. But uh, after that, my dad married a woman who was very abusive. 
through that marriage, we, me and my two older sisters had to go live with my aunt and uncle. My aunt and uncle raised us. They were wonderful. But the, the thing about my aunt and uncle was my uncle was a raging alcoholic. But I loved him. He wasn't one of those alcoholics that couldn't hold down a job or anything like that. He was always the life of the party. He was great. And I knew that he loved us very much. But... You know, he had that alcoholism in his life. But it was through living with my aunt and uncle, my sisters got invited to a revival one night at a little Baptist church in Ringgold, Georgia. And I remember, I didn't even know what a revival was, but mm-hmm. my sister came in the next morning and said, guess what I did last night? And I said, what? And she said, I got saved. And it was like the minute she said she got saved, I knew that's what I need. That's what I want. And I was only 12 years old at this time. But I knew I needed that, what she was talking about. And so I said, can I go to revival tonight with you? And she said, yes. And so we went to revival that night. I don't remember what the pastor spoke on. I don't remember anything about it. I just knew at the end he was going to allow people to come up front and be saved and that's what i wanted and so as soon as he gave the altar call i was the first one down the the aisle i gave my heart to jesus i lived for the lord for the the rest of my days through high school junior high to high school until i got to college and that was when everything changed (laughs) so talk about college what happened when you got to college well, I had been dating off and on guys from my youth group because I had been taught as a good Christian girl, you only date guys who are Christians. And so that's what I did. But then when I went to college, I met someone who was fun and cute and just was not a Christian at all. He was not at all like the guys that I had dated from my youth group. But I thought I could handle it, and I thought everything's going to be fine. And and without really me being aware of what I was doing, it was like I boxed God up and put him on a shelf and kind of was like, okay, I'll come back for you later, but I'm going to go do this now, and I'll be able to handle it. And a, a year and a half later, I was pregnant and couldn't believe it. I was devastated that my, my life had gone so far off the rails and so quickly. So tell us then, say, well, I'm sure as you're kind of unpacking your story um, and we, you are, you know, fast forward today, you're a part of saveone.org. What happened in your life then when you found yourself pregnant? Well, I, I knew that I didn't want to let my family down. I knew that I did not want to be attached to this guy through a child for the rest of my life and I just started looking for an easy way out. I went to my best friend and I told her, she was the only person that I told at first that I was pregnant and she said, oh, have an abortion. It's no big deal. She just talked about it so flippantly and so I thought, well, you know, if, if it was really all that bad, the Supreme Court wouldn't have made it legal. And and that's how, in my 19-year-old mind, that's how I justified it. That even though I felt like it was wrong and there was something inside me that didn't feel right, I justified it by thinking 
they're much smarter than me, the Supreme Court is, and so there must be something more to it that I don't know that makes it okay. And so I told my friend that's what I'm going to do because it, it seems so easy for her. And what she didn't tell me is that when she had her abortion at 15 years old, she attempted suicide at 16 years old. She didn't tell me that part. Mm. She just made it seem as though it was an easy surgery, no big deal. And that was the answer I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear an easy way out. And so I went to that abortion clinic in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I went there on March 29th, 1985, and I had an abortion. And it was by far the most regrettable, most excruciating and humiliating mistake of my entire life. And nobody told me that beforehand. I thought this was just going to be an easy way out, cover up my secret, and me and my boyfriend could just keep on going with life. And, and the, the odd thing is, in which a lot of men get stereotyped and just they're, they're thrown under the bus when it comes to this situation, he wanted the child. I told him that I was pregnant, thinking he would right, agree with the right. abortion, that hmm. he wanted the child. And nope. I, uh, when we I come back, went against his wishes. When we come back, the rest of the story. As Jack Harper joins the picture and Jack and Sheila change the world through saveone.org, saveone.org. You're listening to I Work For Him. As today we tackle a topic that will be a little bit different than what you expect, but there's a reason behind this. In the last 45 years, 65 to 70 million children have been aborted in this country. Jim, what's it have to do with I Work For Him? It has so much to do with I Work For Him. So many of the people that you and I live alongside each and every day are hurting because of an abortion. Men and women. And so, Martha, and I really wanted to bring this conversation to you today because when we look at turning our transforming our workplaces into a mission field, you, this is this is the kind of pain we're dealing with. This is the kind of pain. 65 to 70 million children have been aborted, murdered, which involves somewhere between 100 and 150 million parents. Almost a third of our country involved in this. And then their siblings, their the the children left that, that that happened afterwards who have a sibling they don't know because it was murdered the parents of the kids who had the abortions or the young adults that had abortion i mean it goes on the the collateral impact is literally the entire country well those people are the people that we work alongside each and every day and so we're focusing on abortion today not to this is not a political show you know that we're talking about the collateral damage and we're talking about the restoration, the freedom that Jesus brings. We know the solution to the pain that these people bear, and we have to bring it to the workplace. You know, Jim, and I also just want to acknowledge the fact that the people we're talking to right now, the listeners, they may be the ones suffering as well from an abortion, um, either a choice made in their relationship or for themselves. And so we're talking to you as well and saying, listen, we want to um, show you the way to some freedom through Jesus Christ, but then also be able to relate then to the coworkers that are around us, because that's our focus is what are we doing in our workplace that's making a difference for Jesus? And, you know, they hear plenty of um, the negative 
uh, rhetoric, Jim, that's around there. So this is an opportunity not to not like you said, it's not the political side. This is the love side. And what did Jesus do? And how can we walk alongside our coworkers and be um, well equipped to do that? And so I'm just I'm grateful that, um, you know, we are able to have this conversation today. We're talking today with Jack and Sheila Harper. The ministry organization they are running is called SaveOne.org, SaveOne.org. Sheila, you're sharing how you had an abortion on March the 29th, 1985. And this decision was not a light decision, even though your friend had told you it was a light decision, even though she had kind of made it sound like it was no big deal. How did it impact you? Oh, I uh, I thought that I was going into that clinic to get rid of a problem, but really all I did was walk into a, a whole new set of problems that I didn't know existed. With this problem, it, it, you can't fix it on this human level that that we can work from. When you're looking at this problem with human eyes, there we don't have the critical thinking skills to work our way out of it. The only way to fix it when you're looking at a, on a human level is to go back in time and make a different choice. And so you just see this as unfixable. You have no hope. You lose all hope. And so I did all, the only thing that I knew to do, and I started keeping my conscience numb. I did mm. everything I could. I started, I started drinking heavily. I started doing drugs when alcohol wasn't enough. I went through relationship after relationship because two weeks after the abortion, my boyfriend broke up with me, which I don't blame him. He couldn't stand the sight of me. And so I knew that that kind of rejection I didn't want from anybody else. So I buried that secret as deeply as I possibly could, and I just started staying numb. I hit happy hour. Everybody in the bars around town knew me. It, it was my life just completely went off the rails after that day. Jack, at what point in time in Sheila's life did you enter the picture? <laughs> well, we were uh, we were a hot mess when when we actually met. Um, I was we, I was sitting in a bar with one of my friends, and she walked by, and I looked at her, and I looked at him, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to marry that woman right there." And he said, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> I said, why? He said, you don't even know who she is. And I said, well, I'm going to find out. So ultimately I found out, and um, we dated for a little while, got married, and then after a, after we got married, I, I started recognizing, uh, not from a spiritual standpoint, because I hadn't even uh, accepted Jesus at that point, but I started realizing that I was coming home to a different woman every day. Some days she was doing great, domestic, housewife, stay-at-home mom, and then other days I would come home, she would be uh, curled up in a ball on the couch crying, and and I didn't know what to do. So a year and a half into the marriage, she finally worked up the courage to tell me what what was causing all this. And I said, well, we gotta get help. We just have to find some help. So we did what I thought was uh, a good thing. We went to some secular counseling and that didn't help at all. In fact, it made it worse because the secular counselor said, hey, this is this is not a, a bad choice that you've made. And Sheila knew it was a bad choice. So we spent a lot of money uh, trying to trying to find help there, but it didn't really, it didn't help at all. So in uh, 94, 
we got transferred to Nashville. And so when we got to Nashville, Sheila had a sister that had heard the pastor of the church that we ended up at. Uh, he had given his testimony on TV, and she called Sheila and said, you've got to check this guy out. So we went up to the church, and, and um, we went there for about four years before I actually uh, accepted Christ. That I was... Uh, I was in the middle of uh, really out of control drinking. Um, I was functional during the day, but everything after getting off work through uh, the time I would just kind of pass out and go to sleep at night, I was drinking. And then uh, the weekends were just a constant drinking thing. So she would she would beg me to go to church, and I, I didn't really want to go to church. I was... Uh, I felt convicted when I was in there. I, I never liked that hypocrite um, that said they're, you know, in church, but um, then they were they were living a different type of lifestyle. So in, in my world at that time, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to be like that. So anyway, we, uh, we, we had been in Nashville for about four years, and then on September 6, 98, I was sitting – sitting in a service and and I didn't want to be there I was I was <laughs> really hung over I didn't uh, all I could think about was my head and 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 how I was feeling in, in my body and and I knew what the the cure for that was which was to get to a restaurant start at lunch and start drinking again and um, the Lord spoke to me and it was the first time I'd ever heard him speak that he said Jack if you don't if you don't give me everything I'm gonna take everything from you and, and and I immediately acknowledged for the first time that he was Lord. I said, Lord, I want to do that, but I don't know how. Because I, I hadn't controlled the channels in 20 years. Um, so he replied, uh, I'm going to take you by the hand and lead you home. And I said, Lord, that's what I want. And so that day, we went back to the house. We poured out all the alcohol that was in the house. We had these um, monuments. Our house was a shrine to drinking. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And so I got rid of the alcohol that day because I knew that there would be some kind of temptation that would want me to to just have a drink and settle down or, you know, you'll have a rough day or whatever. So I didn't want any of that in the house. I, I got rid of all of it that day, poured it all out, put it in the garbage, set it outside, and I haven't had a drink since. And that was – that's um, – that was 20 years ago, 21 years ago uh, in September. Mm. So, you know, it's amazing how God just got a hold of your heart and, and you actually heard him speaking to you in what you were doing in your own destruction in your own life. Speak to how yeah. um, Sheila's abortion had impact on you. And we have about a minute before break. Yeah, uh, it, it hurt me for her. It, it hurt me to see her in that in that um, constant searching for for numbing herself, uh, constant searching for some truth. And so that from from the early days of our marriage, when I when I look back thirty years ago. Um, we were just lost and wondering, and and what the only help truly was Jesus, but we didn't we didn't even know how to to, to head in that direction. So I, we we've known um, since then that 
that that one moment it, it became pivotal for her in that she found she found her way back to Jesus and he's the one that did the healing so when we come back we're going to really talk about we're going to we're going to put the the metal to the pedal we're going to put the pedal to the metal how about the we're going to put the the nose to the grindstone we're going to actually whatever some metaphor is but we're going to really give us all practical ways to minister to those around us who are hurting like Jack and Sheila because of abortion in our workplaces. You're listening to I Work For Him. We are your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg, as we talk today with Jack and Sheila Harper from SaveOne.org. You know, I just, we've been listening to Jack and Sheila share their story um, of Sheila's abortion during college and then in their marriage, just the the impact that it had on um, you guys' relationship. And really the common thing for both of you as husband and wife was trying to numb. Um, that's what I hear from you. And I think of our listeners who may be experiencing some of the same feelings that you were feeling um, and just not wanting to have to deal with that hurt and pain on a daily basis. So, um, Sheila, why don't we start with you? Speak to our listeners just for a moment. If, if they're feeling some of the, that hurt and pain or have someone in their family that they see this happening in where they're numbing the pain because it is so hard to deal with on a daily basis, what do you have to say mm-hmm. to them today? Oh, I just have to say, when if there is someone listening who who knows someone, actually, we all know someone who has had mm-hmm. an abortion, but you know you drove them, or you remember that girl in high school, or it's a sister or a brother who lost a child to abortion or something like that, don't be afraid to approach the subject because their life is at stake and other lives are at stake because multiple abortions are very common. And so when you approach the subject, you you open up a door that gives them the opportunity to come and talk to you when you approach the subject in love. And so when, when you have that, you know that person, and you want to talk to them, approach that subject in love. But if you're listening and you are that person that is relating to our story because you have lost a child to abortion, I implore you to seek out abortion recovery because there's not a day that should go by that you have to live in this bondage any longer. It is a, I had one guy remark that I am my own prisoner. It's like you put yourself in prison because you know that you should suffer and that God's grace, you just can't imagine that his grace would cover the sin. And it really does. But what we're seeing at Save One is that once you get healed, you never choose abortion again, but then you also turn around and you're able to help others through the right. pain by shedding the truth, the light. So, Jack, speak to the men that might be listening right now um, and from your, um, the, you know, from the shoes that you've been wearing over the years. Speak to them about um, the hurt and the pain. Yeah, the, we know that that both men and women hurt in in this uh, aftermath. The uh, the guilt, the shame, the sorrow, whether they participated in, in it or not. We have men come through the study that had absolutely no choice. We have men that, that come through that have um, sat and just been silent because they 
they have been told so long that it's it's a woman's issue. They don't have a voice in it. And then we have men who who have participated. We, I mean, the gamut is there. But, mm-hmm. but the common thing is is that all of them hurt because they've lost fatherhood. And so my encouragement to the men is to not stay in that place of grief and emotional hurt. That there is there is a pathway to healing. And for those for, for the men that are out there that have not been in this, but no men that have been there, then just open that pathway by just having the conversation about start talking about, hey, I, I heard this on I talk, I heard this through somebody that was talking in church or whatever it is. But but when we when we open up the dialogue then then we're making a place, uh, a pathway for those men that are hurting to come to to come to that place of healing. So let's talk about saveone.org. Sheila, where did saveone.org, I mean, we, it, it seems obvious that it really flowed out of your heart because of the hurt and the, the decision that you made, but talk to us how saveone.org came into existence. Well, I uh, will tell you, I finally found my way, after the secular counselors and all that, I found my way to a local pregnancy center who was offering a Bible study for women who had had abortions and were suffering afterward. And it was an incredible discovery. So I went to this Bible study, totally got my life back in on track. It was absolutely amazing what this little Bible study did for me. Because when we when we take time to sacrifice and, and seek God, he always shows up. And that's exactly what he did. I mm-hmm. loved it so much, I immediately started teaching this Bible study for the pregnancy center. We got transferred to Nashville. We got involved in the big church that Jack was talking about. And I offered this abortion recovery Bible study at this church. And the very first night, 10 women showed up uh, from this mm. church. And that's a big abortion recovery class. Yeah. And the very first night, I heard a woman say, if I could just save one unborn baby, I would be willing to tell my story. And oh. knowing the humiliation, the rejection, the condemnation that she is risking, her reputation, all of that, that she would be willing to tell her story if it only saved one. And so when she said that, I remembered all of those classes that I taught for the pregnancy center. And in this class, someone had said that exact same phrase, if I could just save one. And I started praying about God. What is it about this phrase that you want me to do something about? Because Mm -hmm. I could tell there was this great stirring and restlessness. And he started showing me how these women and now men and families that we're reaching as well needed a platform to tell their stories because we're not hearing that in in the media and from politicians. We're not hearing the truth of the aftermath of abortion. And so the people who know the truth are the ones who should be in our communities telling that truth. And so we, we started offering Save One. I wrote the first my first book, which was the Women's Bible Study, and we started offering it at the church. God started showing me how we could reach more people if I trained other churches to teach this, and it, it has just but, grown from hmm. there. So now, okay. now we're in 22 different countries. Okay, okay, but... This is a tough. This is a tough one, and, and here's where my frustration lies. Okay, you're putting together Bible studies, but there are women at work. They're not going to go to a Bible study because they don't even know Jesus. 
So you're, yeah. I mean, what you're doing is phenomenal because you're bringing healing to those Christ following women who've had abortions. But what about mm-hmm. the pain and suffering for those who work alongside each and every day that we live alongside? I mean, because abortion has impacted women that are now in their eighties down to women that are in their early mm-hmm. teens and everywhere in between in this country today. Mm-hmm. Bible studies aren't going to help them right yet. Obviously, Jesus yeah. is the answer. But how do we begin this conversation? How do we even start it at work? Because we're surrounded by people at work and in our neighborhoods. And for those of you that are retired, you're in your small groups at church, in your small groups, maybe you got bridge uh, a group in your neighborhood once a week or once a month, whatever it is where you gather together with people, you're surrounded by people who've been impacted by abortion. So Sheila and Jack... How do we even get this conversation flowing? Because in my opinion, if we could talk about it, we could eliminate it. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's exactly it. We can't be afraid to approach the subject. But at the same time, we don't have to to uh, engage in the type of rhetoric that we're seeing and hearing from the media and politicians. We can approach it as Christ followers in the marketplace. We can approach it from a totally different standpoint. And by doing that, we change the view of what it would be like to go through a Bible study because someone who's not a Jesus follower is looking at the church and looking at a Bible study or looking at pro-lifers as, Oh, if they find out I've had an abortion, they're just going to condemn me. They're going to hate me. They're going to, all right. you know, say all, all what things. you're saying is true, Sheila. All what you're saying is true, but we, we, we're, we're running out of time. We got to talk about the practical. I mean, it is so mm-hmm. true. How do the convers? How do you even get a conversation started, Jack? Why don't you just it, me, just from the men's standpoint, Jack? How do you start a conversation with men to try to uncover those who are suffering from abortion? Well, I think they're from from the men's standpoint. You know, we're uh, we may be just a little more blunt than than uh, conversations <laughs> with some of the women. Mm-hmm. But what we do is we just we are constantly trying to create these these possibilities. Whether it's in church, in a pregnancy center, or in the marketplace, it's the same thing in all of them. You you just have to have the dialogue, and then the dialogue leads to the possibility of, of a person uh, going through the study. I, they are Bible mm. studies, and, and people have asked us, oh, do you have something that's for people that don't believe? Well, why would we withhold the very thing that's going to bring healing? We, we yeah. don't withhold Jesus uh, because somebody doesn't believe. And over and over and over, as people go through the study, then they're coming to faith in Jesus Christ because of the study itself. So Mm. it just has to be that we continue to talk about it so that people know that it's a subject that can be talked about. And I think it's all in how we approach it. When we don't participate in the meanness and the rhetoric and the screaming and yelling, they see it as different. And they see it as, oh, we can talk about this and have we may disagree, but we can still have a civil conversation about it. And you start to change the concept in their mind of, oh, this isn't really just about politics. This is this is a personal discussion that we can have here. And so, so I are think you- it's all about a- approaching it in love. So are you finding that the that people that are hurting because they're suffering from an abortion are open to, if you say, hey, I've heard 
that there is this class you can go to that can really help you with that hurt. Is that? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, I mean, the basic, I'm just trying to uncover how do we uncover the hurt? I mean, okay. I, I really want to know, and, we're, and honestly, we're out of time. Um, <laughs> but that's the question I really want to make sure we answer is, is how do we uncover yeah. the people that are hurting from this? Because I'm, I have not been personally impacted by an abortion. Martha has not been personally impacted by an abortion, but there are people around me that are hurting. How do we uncover that? And that's, maybe that's going to be a conversation for another show. But when we come back, more conversation with Jack and Sheila Harper. For those of you that are listening to the show that are on our affiliates to play the 30-minute part of our program, go out to iWorkForHim.com for the rest of the conversation. Everybody, go out to SaveOne.org. SaveOne.org. We need to open up the conversation about this. The enemy always wins the argument when it's never talked about, when it's put in, when it's kept in the darkness. Mm. When you bring out this kind of conversation into the light, then all of a sudden the enemy loses ground. And that's what's happening in our country because of those two guys that risked their lives filming abortion doctors over dinner talking about the selling of fetal parts, baby parts. That started this conversation where we are today. You listen to I Work For Him as Martha and I have a conversation with Jack and Sheila Harper. Their organization is called SaveOne.org. Yes, it is talking about saving the life of the unborn. If it could just save one more. And this is a conversation that's being had across the country by everybody on both sides of the argument. Some that will say abortion is just a woman's right to choose. It's just it's her body. So she gets to choose whether she ends the life inside of her or not. But they don't use those words. Jack and Sheila. What I want to bring for the I Work Frame audience and myself and Martha as well is how do we open up this conversation? Because it feels pretty weird to walk into a room and go like, you know what? We need to talk about abortion because some of you in this room are suffering <laughs> yes. because of an abortion in your life. So who of you yes. are suffering from this? We can have a conversation with you because we've got a solution for your pain. That's probably a little more bold than Jack. Us men are used to. I mean, I could do it. Right. And if I was in a room with just men, I could do it. But it's probably not the right way to do it at work. Maybe not. <laughs> what I usually will tell people is to blame it on me. If you want to approach the conversation, blame it on me. Say, oh, I heard this girl speak the other day and and then talk about what I said. Or mm-hmm. somebody can say, oh, I was listening to the I Work For Him radio station the other day and or the radio show and heard this lady on there. What do you think about this? And, and tell about the conversation and approach it for, just from a standpoint of wanting to discuss it. You start to break down the stigma the more we talk about it. And you said it. You said it, Jim. When we keep things in the dark, the, the devil still has a foothold there. He has it in his grip. But when we start talking about it and bring it out into the light, it's not as big. It's not as overwhelming and we can just have a conversation about it. I can't tell you how many times I've been out speaking somewhere or something, and I just I just tell my story, and person after person after person comes to me and, say, and confesses an abortion or their part in a, an abortion 30, 40, 50 years ago, and they've never told anybody. They just need a place to turn. They just need somebody safe that they can talk to that makes it a, a, a safe place for them to unload all that grief. 
And so, uh, no, you don't have to walk in and say, hey, we need to have this conversation. But you can approach it from a, oh, I heard this girl, and she was right. saying this. And So, you Sheila, know. you shared when you were saying the name of the organization, Save One, God kind of you know gave that to you because you were hearing women say, if I could just save one baby, I'd tell my story. So what is the yeah. res- is that what you have seen um, people start to do to be able to articulate their story um, in when it is someone who's willing to go to that, um, be vulnerable like that? Yes. They become, once they are healed, it is unbelievable how they, it's almost like they're compelled to tell people mm. what God has done in their life because you're not willing any longer to sit by and allow your brothers and sisters to be led into okay. these clinics thinking one thing and and coming out with another. And that is so true. And we haven't even gone into just the lies about abortion. I think most people listening to the show today know that the whole abortion industry has been, they've been lying all along. They've always yeah. known it was a life, but they've been lying all along and they got caught in that lie. But uh, Sheila, not to diminish your approach because it is your story and you can share you could walk into a room full of ladies and go, I did have an abortion. It was the worst decision I ever made. But Jesus has redeemed that decision and is restoring my life. But the, Jack, there's a lot of men out there where it's not their story. Yeah. But, you know, they didn't have the abortion, but they are hurting because of an abortion, whether it was a sibling or whether it was their girlfriend or their wife. How do you open up the conversation in a group of men at work about this? Hmm. Well, here's here's one of the things that happens in that pain, in that grief, in that sorrow. We start, men start to, women start to try to mask that, and and it, that masking comes from uh, alcohol, it comes from drugs, it comes from workaholism. The number one thing that that happens with men is anger, an anger that borders on rage. Uh, pornography becomes a big issue because in pornography you cannot. You, you don't have the pregnancy to worry about, so they see that as a safe outlet. So when when men are talking about somebody um, is having a conversation about alcoholism, when somebody's having a conversation about drugs, when they're having a conversation about pornography and, and the ills of, of society, the anger that that borders on rage and domestic violence, all of those are conversation starters into the abortion area because those are symptoms of abortion uh, in somebody's past. So it's, it's the opening up that dialogue through the ills of society and, and bringing it back to, hey, you know, there's, there's hope and there's healing and restoration, even in that harsh, even in that harsh so, decision so, that was made. So an opening question like, why are you hurting? What are you covering up with yeah. that alcohol, yeah, with yeah. that workaholism? You know, what, what what drives you to do those things? What why what, why are you so angry? Um, yeah, if, if you're you know, close what, with somebody, I think you can you can start that way. Well, if, if when we work with people, we 
when we work yeah. with people, we work eight, nine hours a day next to people. So, and we, right. and if we live next door to when we, we know people, we go to church with people. I mean, here's, here's the, here's the real bottom line of this. You talk about soapboxing. Here I go, people. The <laughs> church you? has got to start talking about this. The body of Christ yeah. has to start talking about this. The pews are full of devastated people who have had abortions and they can't talk about it at church. Crying out exactly. loud. They think they can't <laughs> we, talk about it. Exactly. Because this is a biblical mandate that we are the ones, as Christ followers, we're the ones who, suppo- who are supposed to be protecting and preserving life. And for mm. some reason, we handed that off to politicians, and it closed the mouths of some of the most powerful people on the planet, and that's our pastors. Right. And, and I'm so not even, and, and the that, political stuff is so powerful, but Sheila, I'm talking about, and, 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 and probably we need to do another show about the other <laughs> side of the conversation, but I'm talking about the hurting, the devastating. I mean, there are approximately 50 million Christ followers today that work every day in this country, mm-hmm. 36% of the workforce. They go to church on Sunday and many of them are hurting from sin that, that they need to talk through and needs to be recognized by the church. This is something, you know, not only abortion, but adultery and pornography addiction, but there are hurting people on the pews each and every day who need to know that Jesus is the solution to the pain that they're suffering. Talk about that. Yes. Well, I do feel like, because we travel and are in a different church almost every Sunday, I do feel like the church is starting to wake up and recognize that this is happening on our watches. The the laws that were made in New York and then the other states that have subsequently gone and done these incredible laws that are, are saying, like, even infanticide, like we're fighting that. I think the church is starting to recognize, like, okay, we have been silent on this issue for over 40 years now, and it's time we take it back from politics and make this thing something that we talk about in the church, because we deal with pornography in the church, or we're somewhat. Mm, Sort of. deal with we deal with divorce care. We deal sort of, with sort of, Sheila. We're not really talking about divorce. <laughs> sort of. right. Some but, are, but, but but those are all issues that come from the abortion issue. So when we get down to the root of the problem, which oftentimes is in abortion, then we're going to really get to the root of the problem of so many of these things that are ailments of our society. That's right. So listeners, we have been talking with Sheila and Jack Harper from saveone.org and we are, there's no way we can cover this whole topic, but I want to direct people to your website, which is saveone.org. And just real quick in 30 seconds, what are they going to find there and how is that going to be of help to them? Well, they will find testimonies from other people who have gone through the program, and they're going to be able to check us out thoroughly. Whether you're a pastor that's wanting to teach this at your church or you're somebody looking for help, you can read different stories from our staff and get in touch with us that way. All our resources are available on there, and we would just love to help you. You can contact us or any one of our staff members, and we'll help. Jack, speak to the men. You got 30 seconds. You got less than 30 seconds. Speak to the men. Let them know that it's okay to talk about this and to seek healing for the pain in their lives because of abortion. Yeah, that thing about being silent about what you're hurting about, that that, that never worked out well in the past, and it's not going to work out well now. I, I, I just want to encourage you guys to reach out and talk to us 
And when you talk to us, we're going to find somebody to walk through with you um, the deliverance from this bondage that you're in and uh, walk through that study with you Mm. so that you can find that hope and healing and restoration that we've been talking about. Jack and Sheila Harper with SaveOne.org. Thanks for being on iWorkRam. I know it's felt like I'm just like trying to just pound you i just this is so important and i love what you guys are dealing with yes, today and i'm so grateful that you're bringing the truth and they brought solutions to the i work frame audience today jack and sheila thank you for being on i work frame mm-hmm. thank, thank you. you we were privileged honored Ch- check them out online save one.org you've been listening to i work frame with your host jim and martha brangenberg we're christ followers our workplace it's our mission field but ultimately i work for him Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him podcast with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Please visit iWorkForHim.com to learn more about connecting your faith and work, to join the I Work For Him nation, or subscribe to our weekly blog. You can also follow us on social media at iWorkForHim to stay up to date and meet our guests. If today's message spoke to you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review will launch more workplace missionaries across America. That's at iWorkForHim and online, iWorkForHim.com. I work the number four him.com between 65 and 70 million babies have been aborted in the united states since 1973 last year abortion was a leading cause of death in the world with over 65 million children aborted worldwide just last year the aborting of one's child once described as fetal matter has lasting impacts in those left behind after the death of their child as we walk into our workplaces today look left Look right. You see people, but do you really see them? How many of them are carrying the burden of being convinced to abort their own child? Now do not be mistaken. This is a sin that Christ offers forgiveness for. Freedom and healing can be experienced by those freedom and healing can be experienced by those who aborted their children. But our coworkers and friends at work need to know that this freedom even exists. That's where you and I come in. We know the one who can bring healing. Today, we talk about abortion and how we can have a conversation in the workplace in order to uncover those reeling from the pain of abortion. We have to stop the lies. Women who have had abortions are not free and they're hurting, but Jesus can set them free and free them from their hurt.